This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode 128. Today I'm sharing a bit of my own reparenting journey. This episode dives into sexual assault and miscarriage, so if you're not in a place to hear about either of those things, hit pause, come back to this at another time. A bunch of y'all asked what this looks like, what the quote-unquote work looks like. So I'm sharing with you some of the work that I have been doing in my reparenting journey. Some of my reparenting journey looks much different. A lot of my reparenting journey, honestly, probably from the outside, looks boring. It's having a gratitude practice and getting enough sleep and drinking enough water and taking care of myself and really working to be regulated so that when things come up, when I feel triggered, when I go to react to something, when I have an ego reaction, I can notice it and pause and regulate so that I can choose how to move forward. But what I'm sharing today is a little bit different. It's a dive deep into what is at the root and what is driving a lot of my reactions, what's happening beneath the surface and at the core. I'm sharing a bit about what work I'm doing in therapy here to rewrite some patterns and habits, to get access to narratives that are so ingrained so that I can create new narratives moving forward. This is vulnerable and raw and real. And if you are tuning in and you want support on your reparenting journey, head to seedreparenting.com. We've got you. Reparenting in community is such a gift. You are not alone in this. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. 
I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Over on Instagram, you all said you were interested in hearing a bit about my reparenting journey and process and how it's going for me, what the work looks like for me. So today I'm going to share about this, about some specific work I'm doing in reparenting. And there are some sensitive topics. I will say the word rape. I will talk about miscarriage. So if you're not in a place to hear those things right now, this is not the episode for you. Okay, so a little bit of backstory here. I, when I was 14 years old, I was raped and I had snuck out of the house and gone to a party and it all happened when I went inside to go to the bathroom and this dude who in my eyes at that point had been like a dreamy dude. He was like popular and whatever. He came in and told me there was another bathroom in the basement and led me downstairs to the basement where alas, there was not another bathroom. And he raped me there. And then I left that basement and ran home to my house. And I told someone who didn't believe me, and then I didn't tell anyone for years. And in the years to follow, I turned to so many coping mechanisms, just trying to numb the fear, the pain, the guilt. I blamed myself for putting myself in a situation where I could be raped. I, there was so much shame uh, that I brought onto myself. And my coping mechanisms were anything from a whole lot of drinking to numb, uh, like binge drinking. I did restrictive eating. I would like punish myself with exercise then. I did a lot of screen numbing. So I would just lay and watch shows or watch a movie on end because I just couldn't feel anymore. I was too afraid of feeling because I didn't know what to do with those hard feelings. I didn't have a toolbox to pull from. And I was so alone in it. I didn't have a safe space to turn to. And so I numbed. I numbed because I was afraid if I felt it, it would consume me. I had suicidal thoughts. Truly, the fact that I am here today, that I survived that period without dying or winding up in jail is both a combination of my white privilege and a whole lot of luck. Luck that I didn't die because I, it was touch and go. It was touch and go for a while. And so what happened inside was that my body developed patterns and it locked away that 14 year old girl into a very safe space. And then it brought up all of these protectors. These protectors would come up to make sure that she didn't feel something hard again. Whether it was a numbing tactic, it could have been obsessing over what to do, or if it was problem solving, right? The one who would say, 
just don't wear button-down jeans again because that's what I was wearing that night or don't go into basements and you'll be safe. And those were that was that problem-solving protector that was like, oh, don't worry, we will make sure this doesn't happen again. We can prevent it from happening again. It would simultaneously say to me, like, it wasn't your fault that it happened. You only knew what you knew then, and now we know more, and so we can prevent it from happening again. And that's not true because I didn't do anything to cause it, right? It doesn't matter if you're in a basement or what you're wearing or if you're at a party, you should never be raped. But my, my body, these parts of me, were trying to protect me from experiencing something so hard again that almost killed me. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I wanna show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Having Sage approved audio for our car rides is a literal lifesaver for my nervous system. And I love making lists of podcasts to share with him when he's ready. I was so excited to hear about a new show called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, math, geared toward the six plus crowd. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time traveling adventures. Recently, we had some family visiting and on our way to dinner, we popped on an episode of Mysteries About True Histories, math, with my niece and nephew in the car. In this episode, Max and Molly travel back in time to solve a mystery from the Order of the Problem Solvers, along with lots of kid humor mixed in. It was a fun way to enjoy our car ride together and opened the door for some interesting conversation about history and understanding some of the mysteries of the past. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for car rides and meal times, and stacked with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. So we have this deep trauma, right? And it's it's rooted, man. And those protectors come up in so many different ways that seem like they're not related to the 14-year-old girl at first. I work with a therapist who's trained in internal family systems, and that's the type of work that we do. That's a lot of reparenting work, to be honest. The idea is that you can get to a place where you can separate yourself 
from these voices, from these parts of you that will show up in different ways. Some parts might be locked away like the 14-year-old girl and some parts might be protectors. So as I've been working through this miscarriage journey, we realized pretty early on that a lot of the triggers for me were related to and rooted in my trauma from being raped. Let me connect these dots. So when we look at now and I look at getting pregnant again and staying pregnant, there are two big parts that come up for me. One comes up and says, okay, Let's look at the past. What diet should we be on? What may have triggered this loss? Uh, We could use progesterone cream or a supplement, uh, making sure we're taking all the right vitamins. We're decreasing stress and we're making sure that we're not having any excess sugar or alcohol or caffeine. This one is that problem solver that also says, don't go in the basement and don't wear the button down jeans. Don't put yourself at a party where you could be alone in a situation. Do you see that connection? So that part is actually the same part, and it's working to make sure that I don't experience the level of pain and sadness that I did in my teens because it's afraid that if I experience that level of pain and sadness— that I will go back to all of the coping mechanisms I was using before, that I will, that it'll be so overwhelming for me that I won't be able to handle it and that I won't survive this time. It's afraid of repeating that. It still sees me as that 14-year-old girl because that's who it's protecting. So on the other side, the other big voice that I have is one that's like, no, Don't do all of those things because it wasn't your fault that this happened. That part is so afraid of the shame and the blame that I had put on myself before that if I do all these things, I change my diet and I'm so specific about how I'm living and I either struggle to get pregnant or I miscarry again, that I would be in so much pain because I would be blaming myself that again, I wouldn't survive it. That's the fear. The fear is still the same for both of these parts. They come up to protect in different ways, but they're almost in conflict with each other, right? Because one side is saying, no, Alyssa, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything to cause it. You can't do anything to prevent it. Don't put any shame or blame on yourself. And that part, that voice is coming from a place of protection, Because it's afraid if I did blame myself, that I wouldn't survive that. So what we've been doing, the work that we've been doing, is to try and hold space for these parts. So it's kind of like when I when I go to therapy, some therapies like talk therapy, right? Where you're talking back and forth. The internal family systems work is not talk therapy. I have like my eyes closed. I'm almost in like a meditative state. And my therapist talks me through this and coaches me and guides me into going inward and being able to separate myself from these parts so that I can hold space for them and really learn from them about who they're protecting, what they want me to know, etc. This is where I'm really turning to like my subconscious and being able to separate and say like, okay, what news do you have for me? 
this work is really uncomfortable for me. It was very uncomfortable for me at the start, for sure, to the point where my therapist was like, we're going to try something, or I'd like to try something, and it's going to be outside your comfort zone. This is why I chose her. She pushes me outside my comfort zone all the time in such a delicious way. It's still uncomfortable for me. It's hard. I'm not a human who is like, oh, yeah, like meditative. I don't really do yoga. It's not like my thing. I'm like, let me play a sport or kickbox or talk therapy is definitely in my comfort zone over this. So it is not easy to do. I want to let you know that it takes practice. And I've been practicing now for about a year and it has gotten easier. So anyway... So I'll close my eyes and she guides me here. She will help me go inside and be able to connect with these different parts and hold space for them. And for me, I can visualize them. Like when I am in a good flow state, I really do see them as like different little people inside that are communicating with me. And our work throughout this past year has been to try and hold space for these parts and let them know that I see them, that they're safe, and that I, right now, am not that 14-year-old girl, that I have a different toolbox, and that if I were to feel disappointed, ashamed, sad, scared, etc., that I have a toolbox to pull from that she didn't have, that it's okay and it's safe for me to feel those things because they won't kill me or consume me. In being able to hear them, the goal in the end for us was that they would allow me to be able to be in the presence of and get to hear from that 14-year-old Alyssa. I hadn't been able to do this until very recently. Every time I would go inward, they would just say essentially no. And there would be these walls up of them protecting this 14-year-old girl because they didn't feel like it was safe enough for me to be able to greet her, to be able to spend time with her. I know this might sound woo-woo. Just hang on with me. So I'm holding space for these. I We see the connection between their fear of me experiencing miscarriage is actually their fear of that 14-year-old girl experiencing a pain that could kill her. That almost did, right? So they're trying to protect me from feeling that again. Our brains are so good at protecting us. When we experience something that's traumatic and we don't have tools to process it, and we turn to things like coping mechanisms or we are in a state of depression or anxiety as a result where we're stuck in those feelings, then our brains learn, oh man, I cannot let her go there again. I will protect it at all costs. They learn it's not safe for her to feel those things. She can't handle it. So recently was the first time I got to meet this 14-year-old Alyssa. I'm going to walk you through this visual because for me it was so powerful all of these protectors were there. So I had these, the two main protectors who often come up in this miscarriage journey for me had come up and they had softened. And I had asked them like, can I spend some time with her? Like, can I meet her? I promise I will not hurt her. 
and that I'll make sure she's safe too. They end up like walking me. I know. Oh my gosh. I feel like this is going to sound so like abstract and woo woo. And I'm nervous about that. There's a voice that's coming up for me. That's like, ugh, people aren't going to be able to connect to this. Because for me last year, or even three months ago, if you would have told me this, I would have been like, girl, you're crazy. Like the visual that I'm about to describe to you, it is something that like, as I've practiced internal family systems, I've been able to dive deeper into and get into this state, but it's not something that has come easily for me. So anyway, they say yes, that I can like meet her and I walk, they like walk me down this hallway, almost like a, to a jail cell. There are so many guards with guns and they open up this door that's kind of like a jail cell. And there's this little girl and she's like doubled over, clearly sad and scared and in pain. And it just like immediately, I just had so much compassion for her and curiosity for like how she was doing my whole goal through all of this work has been able to meet her so that I could give her what she needed that she didn't get as a kid. And so there she was. And the guards were still very present, just ready to jump in, right? Because for them, they're protecting her. They're so scared that she's going to get hurt again and then I won't be able to handle it. And when I got to talk to her, it was clear that she wanted to be freed. And for them, it looked like they, to them, like they were protecting her. And for her, she felt caged and trapped and stuck. I got to sit with her for a bit and hear what she wanted me to hear. And I got to respond to her. I, she is like an inner child voice, right? And I got to be the inner parent, I got to show up and support her and respond to her with what she needed then, right? What she needed, what I needed when I was her. She is a part of me. All of these parts exist within us from our childhood. They also have protectors that are trying to make sure they don't experience that pain again. And so when somebody says something that triggers you, what that really means is that somewhere inside of you, there's a part and the trigger is a feeling that feels familiar that hurt that part once upon a time and a protector, we call this the ego, will come up and it will show up in so many different ways But it'll come up to try and make sure that that part doesn't feel pain again. It's so frustrating to spend the money and effort to buy your kids clothes just to have them grow out of the size within a week or have your kids complain that they itch, pinch, or just aren't comfortable. If you're with me on this, you've got to check out Posh Peanut. Their sensitive skin-friendly clothes are made from viscose from bamboo, stretch with your kid as they grow, and they're also made to last. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, super cute clothing for kids and families. 
It is the softest thing, y'all. The design is all done in-house with different patterns and it came in the mail and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to wear this for myself every day. Their Lux women's pajamas and robes were all that I wanted to wear postpartum for nursing and hanging out on the couch with Mila. It helps so much that the fabric is breathable and chemical free, which means they're delicate against Mila's sensitive skin too. And I totally get why Posh Peanut is loved by over 1 million parents. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. Go to poshpeanut.com village and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com village, promo code VILLAGE. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. But who you are today is not who you were when you were four or seven or nine or 12 or 14 or 18 or 22. Who you are today has a different skill set, has a toolbox to navigate hard things that you didn't have in that moment. And so how you experience the pain will be different. It might be safe to feel now. What we know about trauma is that somebody can experience the same thing as somebody else. And for one human, it might be traumatic. And for the other human, it is not. There are two key components to this. One, do you have a toolbox for, of coping strategies for allowing yourself to feel and process? Do you have an emotion processing toolbox? And number two, do you have a safe space to turn to, to break down to whose feelings you don't feel responsible for? This is why I'm here. That 14-year-old girl is why I am doing this work today because as your kiddos grow up, they're going to experience hard things. And those hard things don't have to be traumatic. They don't have to be things that are showing up in other ways when they're 31 and trying to conceive a child or in partnership, or at work, or in their parenting journey. Glennon Doyle's favorite tagline is, you can do hard things. But the reality is we can only do hard things if we have a toolbox to pull from, and we have a support person to turn to, whose feelings we don't feel responsible for. 
Reparenting work is something that we can do for ourselves so that we can live with intention and consciousness so that we aren't living in a reactive state based off of our subconscious programming. And in doing this, not only does it change how we live our lives, but it changes how we show up as partners, as parents, and as people in general. When we don't do reparenting work, we pass our traumas on to our kids by how we show up and react in the moment rather than responding. So much of this work for me is not just for me. It's healing my trauma so I don't pass it on. So it isn't intergenerational trauma. I won't heal all of my own trauma. There's some trauma I will pass on. But I take responsibility for healing some whatever I can, so that when I pass that baton, there's less trauma there. And in doing this work, in building this toolbox for myself, then I can show up and support a kiddo in building theirs. We cannot teach what we do not know. If we're going to dive into things like anti-racism or trauma healing or ego work, we have to first build awareness of what we're feeling what our triggers and trends are, where they're coming from, how they are interacting with one another, what they're protecting, and how we can respond with intention to create different patterns and habits and narratives. You're worth it, man. You are worth taking care of. You are worth doing the work to heal. If you want support and a guide in doing reparenting work, We have a class for you. You can go to seedreparenting.com and snag our class. It's $67. You get access for a year, and I guide you through this work. How to identify how your childhood is showing up in your adulthood. How to do this as a practice every single day so that you can live with intention. This work is deeply personal because your experiences and your Trauma is going to be different than everyone else around you. I believe in the power of self-healing because I've lived it. I've experienced it. I live it every day. I have had the privilege of working with a therapist a few times in my life to help with some of the things that I was having a hard time getting to the root of. Therapy can go beautifully hand in hand with reparenting work, and it's crucial that we're doing reparenting work outside of therapy. There were years where I went to therapy every single week, but did nothing on the other six days and 23 hours for that matter. We can support our kiddos with a toolbox to process hard things, and we can be a safe space for them to turn to for support on this journey. When we do this work for ourselves so that we can show up with intention, so that when they experience hard things, they don't have to be traumatic things. They don't have to be things that are so crippling that they almost kill them. We can do hard things when we have a toolbox to pull from and when we're safe to do so. Come join us at seedreparenting.com to get access to our reparenting class and dive in to this work in the village. I'm so glad we're in this together. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. 
Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.